Hello and welcome to Bald Move Television. We're the officially unofficial podcast for all of television. For the next several weeks, we're going to be uh, taking our Wednesdays and devoting a little time and attention to a David Simon project that's called The Deuce on HBO. I'm your host, Aaron. And I'm Jim. Jim, I'm wondering, uh, what's The Deuce? If you wanted to give someone, this is Bald Move TV, we cover all of television. We got we to gotta let people, we got to break off a little taste for people. What is The Deuce? Uh, it's David Simon's expose on the porn industry and maybe more specifically the porn industry in New York City on 42nd Street in Times Square. Yeah, it spans like a roughly 10-year period from the mid-70s to the mid-80s each year. Mm-hmm. Roughly jumps forward five years in time, it feels like. Ish, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's also like a kind of cliff notes version of the wire, a lot of the <laughs> okay. same yeah. kind of like social economic, uh, intersection of crime, intersection of society, uh, the critiques that, that, that David Simon and uh, his fellows, uh, make in the wire are made in, uh, are, are made in, in just two or three seasons here in the deuce. So mm-hmm. it's, if, if you haven't watched the wire, uh, well, you should stop and watch the wire. Uh, but if you want to kind of like wire training wheels, because this is similarly sprawling, massive characters, very interconnected yeah. plot that always comes together uh, quite beautifully by the end of the year. Um, so having said that, what do you think of uh, the first outing of season three of The Deuce? Uh, I mean, I don't want to repeat myself because I know in the past I've talked about, you know, how mesmerizing the show is and how it just drops you in this time and place and makes you feel that. And and that still sticks with me for season three. Uh, it looks like, and this should have been you know obvious and and in its inevitability from the outset. Uh, this is where it all comes crashing down yeah. for Times Square as it stands in the seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. uh, because there are big development projects on the horizon. the The city is actively trying to change that that street, mm-hmm. uh, and it's. You know, you can see the cracks. You can see where everything is just crumbling. Yeah. Uh, for you know this sleazy underground. Yeah, you got you got big money on one side pushing. You got a bunch of hustlers and crooks and mm-hmm. gangsters on the other. Which sides do you think is going to win? <laughs> right. Uh, I I think that this it, it shares a lot of the DNA that it, the like the first episode of the second season did, where it's like you just get in this whirlwind reintroduction to every character, what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And it, it's what's amazing is how effective they are with like there's probably 12 different plots going on and they probably get an average of four to five minutes. And yet I feel like, OK, I've got a good understanding of where Frankie is and what he's been doing in the last like I've got a good understanding of how Abby and Vincent's relationship is, is working now as it relates to. And it's also a lot of fun. There's a lot of jokes. There's a lot of comedy. Yeah. Um, there's just flashes like I, I like Tommy flashing his gun at the wolf pack, you know, our first meeting at the wolf pack. And uh-huh. It's like, oh, this isn't this isn't some executive from <laughs> yeah. Wall Street. This this guy's dangerous. The guy's got money, but he's not to be fucked with. Yeah, yeah. Brooklyn ain't taking what what this <laughs> this guy's made. Uh and uh it's I it's just a lot of fun and nothing too serious happens in this episode other than a couple of uh tourists getting their faces pushed in. Mm-hmm. But you can tell, like as you said, the you can you can feel the pressure, you can see the cracks. Yeah. Um and uh it's 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 really good. I got a couple of things I want to talk about before we kind of got into the plot. Um I read Alan Zeppenwall's review on Rolling Stones and I thought he had made a really good point that there's almost like a meta um commentary on gentrification that 
this show itself, since you know, moving into the mid '80s, there's a lesser emphasis on the prostitutes and the pimps, mm-hmm. which has a a side effect of reduce re- removing a lot of the color in terms of people from the show. Yeah, and how that kind of mirrors like a modern gentrification process when you flood mm-hmm. you know money into an area and you push out a lot of the po- the, the poor people and the minorities, and you're left with this kind of like other thing, and it feels like that like that's kind of what the deuce is going the deuce itself is being gentrified at the show as it's portraying the you know the the gentrification of of uh times square yeah like where where's larry where's larry he was like my favorite thing about last season yeah where's larry we don't get to see him where's leon where's like and and the thing is is like when we do check in with the uh some of the the uh, female prostitutes. It's like they're like Shay. Looks like she's at the end of her fucking rope. Oh man! Or is it Angie? I, have, I haven't quite gotten or um, the 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 one that they're switching up their looks by putting it on wigs and stuff. She's entirely gone to the porno the the New York pornography scene because you know it's safer than turning tricks. Yeah, I don't remember her name. I've got her name written down somewhere in my notes, but <laughs> I, I just thought that that was an interesting kind of meta commentary uh, a point. But you you mentioned you know how it takes it, there's a lot of getting back into the deuce mm-hmm. and I felt that like I couldn't remember characters' name I couldn't remember uh, both of the the main brothers' names played by James Franco I, I was Vinny, like Frankie like, Frankie which what's the other one It's funny because I had Vinny and <laughs> okay. I was like what is Fred and then someone says like oh yeah it, it's 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 one of those things where it's like I know everybody's faces and I know their deal yeah. um, and their names are going to start to come back I actually made a point of looking them all up. Um, but you have to get like reacclimated to the whole thing because it does yeah. do the time jump. People look different. Uh, speaking of looking different, Bobby, holy shit, man, what's with his hair? Uh, he's <laughs> borrowing someone else's. Uh, there's no, there's no more. That scene where he's in the bathroom of the club and he's banging, and the thing, and is, the thing flopping is flopping up and around. Down. It's yeah, like something it's... out of Kingpin. It's oh, it's hilarious. <sighs> there's so many people that have. Uh, the stink of death surrounding them this episode. Mm, yeah. I'm not sure all who all is going to meet bad fates uh, or not, but it's yeah, he's one of them. That's like God. He it's so interesting to see his arc that he's so scared of these diseases that are going around. These you know, like this in the mid '80s. Mm-hmm. You know, the AIDS epidemic is well underway, but there's still a lot of misinformation. There's still a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt um, among all types of communities. Like they didn't shy away from like, um, you know, some of the misinformation and and fear and uncertainty in the gay community versus the straight community. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see Paul's sort of, uh, relationship with that because he clearly knows that his partner has AIDS, right? Uh But like, he also understands like, this is not something that's (laughs) transmissible via the air or via kissing. Like he, he's still, you know, he's not afraid to do those things, whereas Bobby gets in there and he freaks out with the doctor. Like, right. oh, there's probably a lot of gay people come in here. Oh, my God. I'm, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I might get it. But yet he's powerless to rein in his own weaknesses. Like, he can't – he makes the resolve to like, well, you know, I'm scared straight. I'm going away from the strange. He can't even make it through that day. Right. Like, okay. I'm pretty sure he's banging in it before the clock hits midnight. No, he could not he make is. it through yeah. that day <laughs> before his coach turned into a pumpkin – and he loses his glass slipper. Before we get further in the episode, I want to do some housekeeping here for baldmove.com. Uh, obviously, Bald Move TV, we're talking about the deuce this week and the weeks to come. Uh, we also have a new show coming back next week. American Horror Story starts its 1984 season next Wednesday. Sess and I 
Cecily and I will be enunciating all of our proper nouns properly and be covering the show. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a little bit looser than our the normal style of coverage. If you're into AHS or horror, and who isn't? I mean, we're heading into horror season. I saw the preview for it. It looked kind of awesome. It, I mean, that's that like, is in, American in Horror my Story kind of way. That's like, American Horror Story. It is kind of awesome. It is kind yeah, but of this infuriating. Is like my it, kind of awesome with it, the '80s campy horror. Yeah, sure, sure. I might be watching that too. But. Yeah, it's all about. I, it, it's probably got some George Orwell going in it with the 1984 but it's also mostly about friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street and whatever else ryan murphy can get to stick to the canvas Uh, another thing jim and i started a new podcast called pickle me this to chronicle all things rick and morty uh we marathon through the first two seasons and now we're slowing down on season three uh you can find pickle me this by going to any place to listen to podcasts and search for pickle me this uh, season three is kind of cool because we're doing it one a week. You kind of serve as a countdown to season four, which starts mid-November. Uh, one of the things we're excited about starting in season three is that we've got some guest interviews, uh, our, our collaborators, co-hosts, I think they're called in the podcast world. We started our first episode of season three of Jonah Ray from Mystery Science Theater 3000 fame. And uh, we've got some other cool guests lined up. Uh, Alan Suppenwall, who has mentioned throughout this here podcast, is going to be making an appearance to talk about uh, uh, Rick and Morty. It's going to be awesome. Bald movies really heating up uh, in, the la- in the last bit of this year. We had It Chapter 2 that we reviewed last week. This week, Cecily and I are going to see an advanced screening of Downton Abbey, which comes out next week to talk about that because we're huge Downton Abbey fans. And then, of course, Lunch with Jim and Aaron every Friday had a new player enter the arena. Cecily is now the moderator on, on Lunch with Jim and Aaron. So you get... Mm-hmm. Uh, same low club price, but you get 50% more participants on lunch. That savings you can take to the podcast bank. <laughs> and that's what's going on here at baldmove.com. Uh, what do you think of the new intro, Dreaming by Blondie? Uh, I mean, it's fitting. It's it's all about, you know, the, the, the VHS, the home video stuff that's happening. It's uh-huh. about the AIDS epidemic, all that. Yeah, I like I feel, it. I feel like I don't like it as well. I, I, f- I feel like my, my favorite The Deuce intro is going to be season two. Yeah, I, I really like that this year's model which is that funny because so I, re- I remember i know because i remember we both i don't think liked the new song when the season started uh-huh. so it's like i wonder if it's one of those things where it's like it's just a different ear feel and it is, i think my actual favorite wire uh theme song was the second season as yes. well yes yeah it's like a little more bluesy uh-huh. yeah, yeah yeah um so, so maybe the, the the second season it's just a second season knack on the, the music go watch season two of treme see see what that's all about <laughs> Yeah, that's the – I haven't seen any Treme. It's Me one either. of my shameful David Simon secrets. Uh, the other thing I wondered is, like, we they had this great device to met, to, to have a lot of the East Coast, West Coast meet in the, in, in the form of this uh, Las Vegas CES show with the attending second floor adult video extravaganza. Yeah. That's the one other concern I have for this season is, like, how are they going to continue to tell the story of Lori – when she is so far removed, are they going to bring her back to New York somehow for some reason? Um, because like, there's not going to be an adult show in Vegas every, every week. Right. But it was so nice to see like Eileen mm-hmm. and Lori and Harvey and all these people circulating together. I'm, 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 I'm curious to see. You might be able to send Eileen out that way. Like if mm. Harvey's not going to fund her yeah. quote unquote feminist porn, yeah. she might head out to the West Coast and see what's going on out there. It does look it seem like especially New York is stuck in the really, 
I don't know. It seems like New York is posed to do the more gutter, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I mean, it's less artsy. Fault. Yeah, might maybe the one but, doing it. Maybe Frankie's the one's been this that's this leading this wave that's built up to the new wave hookers. <laughs> right. But uh, it maybe yeah, maybe her going out to L.A. to try to do something a little bit more classy, a little yeah. little bit more boogie nights. Could be, uh, especially because you know Lori was in uh, Red Hot, yeah. and like they've got that relationship already. Yeah, she might try and do something with her. Yeah. Um, but I don't know because that's the thing. It's like uh, Lori's kind of in a bad way. Uh, not yeah. not many people are doing well. No. Um, and that's one of the things I guess. Like uh, the, the the start off the conversation into the more plot um, oriented. This whole Wolfpack deal, which is kind of spearheaded mm-hmm. by. Uh, Detective Chris's uh, Chris Alston's uh, it's his new beat because they're supposed to hold the line wait for all this real estate money to fix everything he's like we're not able to do it because we got nothing to, we got no answer for this mm-hmm. the deuce did seem scarier oh absolutely um, and I couldn't put my finger on it because like the deuce has always been portrayed as being scary to like squares mm-hmm. but it's kind of like if you were part of the community it's like you know it's it's flashy and it's adult and it's fun and it's thrilling but you know, if you were reasonably street smart, you could you, you could navigate it. And now it just seems like like even people like Vince and Abby are run off the streets by uh, uh, the, these these wolf packs. And just just the more it's like it's not vicey. It's more just like straight up. You're going to get fucked up mm-hmm. and robbed. Yeah. Um, and then I don't you got know. you got Herc coming in to to put the kibosh on that. That so. I it's so funny because I was watching this with Cecily and Cecily's like kind of background watching this because she's, you know, wasn't in on the ground floor in the deuce. Um, but like when they started talking about this Jack Maple, her ears pricked up because she's a big true crime fan. And I guess this guy, huh. I don't know anything about him. I haven't read ahead Me either. But I guess this guy's big swinging dick in cop circles like he uh, like pioneered the system of like crime report statistics reporting that allowed the police to because you know, he's talking about like what, what he's talking about. It's essentially old-fashioned police work. Mm-hmm. Like uh, David Simon calls it police intelligence. Yeah. You know, it's it's not uh, – you know, Herc was famous in The Wire for ripping and rolling, which is just doing corner stops, getting, you know, people for minor possession and trafficking. And they're not trying to roll up to get to the Avon Barksdales and really – you know, if you're, if you're fighting a war on drugs, and fucking fight it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this guy's a transit cop. Uh, I love the introduction to him because he's living in this uh, fucking dungeon. Oh yeah, this like yeah. the headquarters for his transit cops is like the worst kind of fucking. It almost looks like like a thieves' den and like a Robin Hood story, you know? Hmm. Okay. Because everybody's wearing plain clothes and they're dressed like mm-hmm. you know, uh, they're like they're dressed like a breakdancing crew or homeless people or Herc's like set up <laughs> like a, a past the prime Beastie Boys. Yeah. Um. But it's just there's this like something kind of like disreputable, but you can tell he knows his shit, and even like the top brass when they show. Uh, the one um, like campaign manager, Gene, uh, he's asking for permission to use this guy. And it's like, yeah, he's a jerk, but he knows the stuff. Uh, yeah, he's always right, which helps when you're a jerk. Yeah, uh, yeah he, he seems like he's the he's disruptive to the way, you know, the police typically do things now right. uh, in that area. So, yeah, of course, he's going to be shit on. But, you know, when you're usually right and your methods work. Well, this is a big theme from like the the wire, the whole concept of juking stats and like doing what makes you look good rather than what yeah. makes you a good cop. Because like you know, Jack here is decrying the fact that like most guys, you know, they see a wolf pack, they grab the 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 slowest person, 
bring him in, book him, and clear the case. Like, hey, we just solved the case. He's actually, you know, which is faster. And if you're a beat cop, it gets you home quicker, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, and you got a clearance on your, on, on your record. This stuff where he's grabbing guys and he's interrogating them and then they're going out and trying to find his buddies, that takes a hell of a lot longer, but it actually a- attacks the root of the system. And yeah. it's these perverse, probably why he's later famous for, you know, have this revolutionary stat system. Um, that's like the perverse part of crime enforcement that well it's, it's well, not what just... you want to do is you want to basically it would be great if you could eliminate any arrests right like right. we made no arrests this month because there weren't any crimes to arrest people for yeah that's the ultimate goal but th- there are two ways to get to the no arrest right yeah. we can either not do our jobs yeah, yeah, yeah and just yeah. not arrest people who are committing crimes right or we can eliminate the root causes of crimes right that should be your goal but it doesn't seem it seems like the more arrests you make the better people think you're doing yeah and that translates that that means there's more crime to arrest people for why is that a good thing yeah it's and it's not just a specific to cops like you, i've always heard stories of um like you know technical support that people are like in like yeah. graded on how long they're on calls well if they have a customer that needs 15 minutes to tech support guess what the next three people are getting hung up on uh-huh. so they bring that that average back uh or they're forcing them off or they're it, it's like are you incentivizing good service or are you incentivizing hitting an arbitrary metric? Right. And I'm imagining since this guy is, is kind of like a, you know, known for this thing that they're going to de- be developing this all, all season long. And mm-hmm. probably it's going to, if, if I know anything about uh, David Simon's work, it's going to be culminate in a winning system that cleans up the part of the city that the power <laughs> money cared about. And then, Jack will go back to his dungeon. This stat system will be ignored by the brass, and the deuce will continue cockroaching on. Yeah, so that'll be that'll be that'll be fun to watch. <laughs> uh, do you, the the next most impactful, I think, character is Frankie. You want to talk about Frankie for a little bit? Okay. Yeah, it seems like he's he's now a porn director. He's yeah, now like in in harvey's business he's got his fingers in a lot of pies well yeah he's doing drug deals he's he's doing drug deals he's doing directive video adult sales yeah which is why i say maybe he's you know the source of of this change like obviously he's not right he's just seeing a trend and rolling with it like frankie always does right uh but yeah he's gone from like financier that would be funny if it turns out frankie and Vinny are actually the dark brothers in in pimp disguise they're they're the actually yeah they're the those the the producers that oh in the pit yeah yeah, in the yeah. that's in right the, in the adult show <laughs> oh, god um you know one of the big pastimes we had last year is predicting frank was going to die yeah like there was so i can't remember the exact specifics but there was like uh something about him like oh i can't can't see vincent or uh frankie being uh 30 years old or whatever this guy running game behind rudy's back man and he's stepping on product and selling to guys that he thinks are too dumb to know and ripping them off like he's burning the crime in the crime candle at both ends <laughs> he is man i i i wonder what this move with rudy is going to do because rudy in that conversation points out you've been stealing from me for years and i come to you asking for the tiniest of favors after i've overlooked that shit yeah and you deny me? Get out of here. I, yeah, I'm, I'm what's he going to do? Of some of the stuff I probably are entitled to cuts to, and let alone the mini hustles that I don't even know about. Right. Like, I think Rudy's still got enough power that this is going to end poorly. Although it would know. be funny if I it's mean, like like some black street gang that kills him instead because they're mad that they're he's he's shitting on their, their product. Yeah, it's coming at him from every angle. I, I just wonder, like, Rudy has 
Rudy has always seemed like a dangerous character, but has turned out to be more bark than bite, in my opinion. Right. Um, and we, I that's... wonder if this is going to be the same. Ooh, because we also predicted downfall of Rudy. Yeah. That like, Rudy was doing too much of his own product, doing too many of his own girls, being kind of like fat and lazy and mm-hmm. comfortable. And that's not like long-term successful strategy for gangsters. Right. So this is like, I don't know whether we're seeing the fact that Rudy just doesn't have the juice anymore. Like he's going mm-hmm. to Frank. He can't even roll f- tough on Frankie. Yeah. I mean, it seems like his, his business is being affected by the AIDS epidemic. I right. Assume. It's almost like so the way I understood that because um, you know I didn't live through this but like I've I followed like some commentators that are like ten years older than me mm-hmm. and like you know you can't understate how much the AIDS crisis scared the shit out of everybody yeah like there's a whole generation of like you know it like put the, the cold bucket of water on the prostitution game on like just a hookup culture and uh you know there's so much misinformation and and fear and uncertainty and doubt that like you know people ran away from a lot of this like sex-based trade Mm -hmm. um and 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 the the people are still it's like this weird self-selecting process where the people that were still willing to go and hire a prostitute are still willing to go and frequent bathhouses or selected by the high risk seeking behavior people hmm. and those are the type of people that wouldn't wear condoms and wouldn't be discriminating who they date and wouldn't would have many many frequent encounters and it's just like this this pool where like the pool's getting shallower and shallower and fuller of people that are more likely to be risk taking and it's the risk takers that are get it hmm. I, I don't know I'm wondering if like all these people that we're seeing involved in this are going to because um, that—that's the thing. Like this was portrayed as like kind of like a gay disease, but straight people did get it. Um, yeah. You know, if, I wonder if like because I'm wondering like if uh, they're do, they're doing some of the Eileen's mom, just the deep the, like yeah, the, maybe she, she got from a blood transfusion or something and kind of degenerative illness. We don't really know what it is. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where the deuce is going. Are they going for like you know? Uh, like Man, a, a slice of all lives, or are they going for like you know how it kind of like really brutalized the gay community? I I, I don't know. Wouldn't that just be the most ironic thing? Like mm. they're giving her a hard time about her industry, her her porn industry, right. Career, and then her straight laced mom and dad right, end up coming down with it. Jeez, yeah. Um, so that's the bad things about Frankie. I'm amazed to see a few things about Frankie. Frankie married that dancing porn star he did he's shooting and, and made a relationship out of it uh-huh. uh is this a controversial statement frankie is 10 times the dad that vincent is <laughs> yeah you're probably not wrong i mean i don't see vincent ever shooting a home video with his kid i mean that was sweet that like you think that frankie's gonna borrow this camera for some kind of like fucking filth documentary that he's <laughs> right. up to and he's just filming a family video yeah. I mean, he's still stepping out on uh, Miss Fuego, and he's still running a whole bunch of dangerous schemes. It's probably going to end up getting him killed and maybe someone he cares about. But, like, he's really involved where, in contrast to Vinny, there's a conversation he's having with his ex-wife about his daughter stripping. And he's like, you know, uh-huh. it's a classy club. They're not even allowed to touch the girls. That He doesn't and hasn't cared for a long time. Yeah. No, it's it's interesting the the Frankie stuff. How he's playing it like this subterfuge, like he doesn't want to let people know why he's using the camera. Mm-hmm. Like this normal wholesome thing he's doing right. would be so weird to them. Yeah, it would. Like what the fuck is up with Frankie? Yeah, Frankie's lost his. He's uh, he's starting to starting to grow up a bit. And that's the <laughs> thing is like I do think that Frankie is growing up. Yeah, and being a little bit more shrewd and definitely more ambitious, but. 
I don't know. Because that's the one thing that kind of got, like, he got, could have gotten in trouble with Rudy last year. It's just that he was such a joke. It kind of, like, Rudy let him off just because it's funny. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, I got a story I can tell my gangster buddies that are, yeah. you know, at the at the bada bing. So, whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh and then at by the end, you can kind of see the result of Frankie's burning the crime candle at both ends because, like, his drug dealer friend's like, yo, slow down because he's smoking two at a t- two cigarettes at a time. Mm-hmm. He's doing fat rails. It's New Year's Eve, but still. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, Frankie, what, Frankie is the one that I think is probably most certain to die. <laughs> still? This, You're this still season. on this old thing, huh? I, this, I mean, it, it, it could be that, like, he's the misdirection, but it seems <laughs> like uh, he is doing a lot of dangerous, high-profile things, uh, and the only way he That's gets true. out of this is if the street gang he's ripping off doesn't care and Rudy is too fat and old to, to make an issue of it, which yeah. is possible. No, you're right. He's he's in uh, a lot of different corners in this episode. Uh, shall we transition to Vince and Abby? Yeah, this is getting interesting. I think it is. I, in- I, I was shocked to see that they were still together. Right, and and in almost the exact same place they were five years ago. Yeah, this this Except weird. Abby seems a little bit, a little bit more jaded and angry about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, but like she seems distant. She seems like. She's conflicted about, you know, what Vincent does for a living and like all the things he's involved in and her involvement thereby. Right. But that's where she was back at the turn of the 80s. And I feel Uh, like I see it in the way she walks. I see it in the way she looks at Vinny. Yeah. yeah. And they're still trying to make it work. I'm just wondering because like it's weird because like this open relationship, like I buy that maybe they would catch feelings for each other. And there's like this kind of like petty jealousy that kind of stacks up and erodes the relationship over time. Or I guess I would believe that, um, you know, something that, that, uh, Vincent said in the last season on about, you know, when he first met Abby, she was just, you know, co-ed in college and she didn't, had never seen the world. And now like five years later, she sees it so much clearer than he, I feel like that's continued to go on. Like that conversation yeah. they had an indicative where uh, Vinny's like, Hey, they're going to put this Taj Mahal in a toilet. And she's like, ah, if the big money people see it differently, then it's going to be differently. Like mm-hmm. she's 10 times smarter um, from not like maybe a street smart, but like from a holistic, yeah, you know, seeing the world as, as, as a whole integrated place than, than he is. But like, I don't know. So I buy either of those things, but it's, it's just so weird because I feel like the acting is them being jealous of each other, but the story they're telling is her just outgrowing him. And what it feels mm-hmm. like in between 1980, and 1985 is David Simon just took this relationship, cryo froze it and then thought it out. And I didn't feel like that way about any of the other plot lines. Hmm. Like, I just feel like the forces that were shearing their relationship would have destroyed it in the last five years. Yeah. I thought I would have said that too, coming out of season two. Um, but I, I think, I don't know. The vibe I got is that this is sort of a relationship of momentum. Like they, they had a relationship and so they have a relationship. Um, but it's clear to me that Vincent is trying to Vincent is looking for the thing he had before. You know, he goes to his mm. father last season. And he says, "Look, I, you know, I want a family. I want a relationship yeah. uh, like that." And his father says, "You had one, yeah, and you gave it up." And I think Vincent is more than ever starting to regret that. And that's mm. why you see him, you know, telling his ex that he misses her, like them getting back together. Uh, I, I think this is a path toward Vincent 
realizing what he had in his family and yeah. maybe trying to pull a Frankie. If that with sad, Abby is, trying to fuck, no, settle down. Oh, okay. no, not with Abby, with his ex. Oh, like get back with her. That ship sailed, dude. Like you can have a family, but always going to have a family where your oh, daughter's yeah. his a daughter's way too old to is recover ro- at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to have like maybe what Frankie for oh, sure. Jesus. But but I think that's what Vincent is looking for in his ex, right? Like whether it's realistic yeah. or not. What are the odds that there's going to be a Tale of Two Cities deal between Frankie and Vincent? Oh God. Who's who's going to sacrifice? Oh, if it'd be Vinny. Vinny would sacrifice himself for Frankie. Do you think Frankie would do the other way around? No. If presented with the opportunity? I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe an older, wiser Frankie, but like... Maybe, but I'm leaning toward, yeah, Vincent. Because at this point, which one would have the bigger impact on the larger world? Like you said, like Vincent's kids seem like they're already on their way to doing whatever. Frankie's just starting out. He's got a much more stable situation. I don't know. Would it be hokey for like Vincent to deliberately take a gang hit for his brother or something like that? Cause it's, it's also foreshadows what happened in the very beginning of the show. Vincent took a beating that was Frankie's. Yeah. Not willingly, but still. All right. You're selling me. Um, I just well, don't know I like if it'd be like ending. full on hokey to do the, you know. I mean, I I've never seen a far, Simon, far better thing. I, I've never seen Simon and Pelicanos do hokey. True. Like even things that should be hokey, they nail with That's a realism true. that just makes them feel right. That's true. There's an interesting scene where Gene Goldman, the kind of uh, 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 campaign manager for the mayor, uh, he is at the what is the Vincent's Club? It's not the Hi Hat. That's Abby's Bar. Club 30 or something like that. Um, He sees this victim across the room. I think it's an AIDS. You're supposed to understand it's an AIDS victim. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, Gene's a closeted gay man. And this guy just looks like a ghost. Um, I couldn't tell whether... Because they locked eyes. And I wondered, like, if that was somebody that Gene dated in a previous season. Or if it's just... Hmm. I could also... Because there's a lot of this just, like, if you're a gay man and you're looking out and seeing this, it's just like, holy shit. It's got to be terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like this is like that's literally like the specter that's kind of haunting you. Um, yeah. and there's like a, the, the, there's also like uh, Paul's attitude towards these people where he's you know he's embracing them and mm-hmm. like you know t- looking after them and and treating them like people. And then maybe Gene who because he had that speech where he hooked up with the guy and he's just like ah you know this is this and I also a husband and I have a wife and a career and like that's that yeah. like that he's like that it's, it's it's a different type of relationship. But it also could be, oh, God, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know because it's like very – there's no dialogue. It's all facial expression. And did you... and this whole episode is full of, oh, God, that's that's a scary AIDS thing. Yeah. Like, th- there are four or five instances with characters across the spectrum here yeah. who you look at and you go, oh, no. Yeah, really Like poignant. even down to Shay. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm half worried about her too. Yeah. I mean sh- – Take your pick of what poison ails her. Right, it could be right. late stage drugs, alcoholism, Rodney withdrawals. <laughs> yeah, uh, what, what, whatever, whatever it could be. Um, and then I don't know. There's this ironic thing at the end where he drinks with, uh, has a drink with candy. I like paying attention who calls her Eileen and who calls yeah. her candy. In the industry, several people call her candy. Yeah, yeah, but it seems like her friends like uh-huh. it's it's Eileen. Uh, did Lori call her candy? I thought she called her Eileen. Maybe they I believe even, you're right. Maybe they didn't even address each other by name. Yeah. Um, but like them toasting to all the great things coming down the pike. I, I don't think there's going to be many great things coming down 1986 pike. Not for this. The this Nintendo block. Entertainment Center. 
yeah. uh, our system at the end of the year. That's it. That's it. <laughs> if Vinny can hold on for Super Mario, uh, they might be able to turn things around. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Okay, we're going to take a little break here so I can talk about the club. The Bald Move Club. Club Club.baldmove.com is how you can directly support uh, Jim and I and our odyssey of all of television. And you get a lot of great benefits. Um, Ad-free feeds. You know, we're getting a, as, as we get bigger and more established as a company, we're getting more ads. Obviously, ads annoy people. It's real easy to make them go away. You join the club, uh, club.baldmove.com. Uh, you can get subscribed to ad free feeds. If you're a club member listening to this ad, you don't know about it, go to baldmove.com. Make sure you're logged in, click on the premium features, and use the podcast subscription tool, subscription tool, to get subscribed to ad free feeds. Uh, you know, one of the big selling points in the next couple months is our, our, our spoiler reviews for the movies that we talked about in the housekeeping are exclusive to our club members. So if you want to hear us talk about the many, many movies that are coming out down the pike, uh, Ad Astra, Joker, Zombieland 2, Dr. Sleep, Ford versus Ferrari, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Star Wars Episode 9, What the Hell Will They Do Now?, <laughs> Uh, all these coming out in, in the last uh, bit of 2019, they will all be exclusive to club members for the spoiler review. Uh, lots of great reasons to join uh, club.baldmove.com. How about we talk about Lori? Okay, let's do it. Lori has been to rehab five times now. Was it five? Oh, shit. Uh, well, his, I don't know if she's making a joke because her, mm-hmm. her agent, rep, uh, boyfriend, upscale pimp. Like let's like that's yeah, what it seems know. like that he's just All her. Above. He's just a pimp from a different name. Uh, mentions that third time's a charm, and she says five. But I don't know if that was like gallows humor or just her matter of factly correcting the. Uh, yeah, but it, it's such a great introduction. To this guy whose name is Greg, because you can just see what a dick he is. He picks mm-hmm. her up in his Mercedes. Uh, he tells her, "Hey, easy with the luggage." As she's putting it in the back seat, wants her to get right back in the saddle, like. Mm-hmm. I don't see how this man is different from CC, and and is I don't know abusing substances right in front of her. Yep, throughout the entire episode. That's what I'm saying it's different levels of abuse, but like yeah. the fundamental exploitive nature of the relationship, um, and him seeing her as an object that like an ATM, mm-hmm. like him and CC are, are brothers from different coasts and mothers. But absolutely, um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, do you want to talk about the CES show? I thought that was a really fascinating cultural artifact. Yeah, so every I knew what they were going for as yeah. soon as they talked about, you know, the other show um and Vegas and like all that stuff cuz this is in tech circles a a super notable thing mm-hmm. that like every year with the consumer electronics show you also have this paired thing where a bunch of uh porn industry people get together and do their own event in the same building for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um Apparently in the floor above uh, during this era, I was trying to figure out because they they show a sign that says adult consumer electronic show. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a joke that the adult show put up. Oh, or because I don't think that's real. I don't think that that shows. Yes, would probably shut that down. And surely in 1985, they didn't have an official adult 
it wasn't the Adult Entertainment Expo yet. Yeah. That wasn't around. So I, I don't know what it is. But yeah, they're, they're, this is a very famous thing mm-hmm. that happened. This coupling. Yeah. And it's like, it seems like it, it's very technologically joined at the hip because porn right. is now moving out of the theaters and moving into people's homes with the advent of Betamax and VHS. Yeah. Like, and Harvey know. seems to be all about it. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he understands the market is moving that way. I've got to follow. That's the funny. It's been a funny joke in tech circles for a long time that like porn leads the technology industry, uh-huh. like into ad- adoption of uh, home VHS tapes, uh, early adoption of internet, e-commerce, like all these yep. things. Porn has led the way. Right now, I think probably if if you if if, if people are honest and lo- wrote down top three uses of v uh, of VR technology, <laughs> uh, one of them would be VR porn. Sure. Um, because holy shit, I, I, I don't have a VR rig, but I feel like every other fucking porn result is a VR thing. <laughs> the Oculus porn. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. Which version do you got? Do you got this yeah. one or you got you Oculus got Rift, or you got you the got Sony the... system or it's like, fuck, what is, what is this? And why is it so fucking, why are the files so fucking big? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it seems like, you know, the Harvey is very much moving in this direction of new wave hookers, or he realizes that he has to in order to make a buck. And that's what he's in it for, right? And there's always been this at odds relationship between Harvey and Eileen because she wants to make respectable porn. Yeah. She wants to make stuff she's proud of. Harvey wants to make a buck. Yeah. They need each other, um, or at least they certainly did in the past. Seems like Harvey doesn't think he needs Eileen as much. Yeah. Because he's telling her, look, get on board I with this. I think he thinks Eileen's a liability if yeah. she keeps doing what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know that he's wrong. I think that. He's wrong if he's going to continue to be small minded because like there's all this stuff in the in the margins of this episode where they're showing people that are successfully navigating these changes like the character of Shauna, who we met in season one is this kind of like well to do Midwestern housewife who happened to be ridiculously attractive and love sex. And she's like, I'm just going to make a lot of money being an adult film star. She's talking to Lori and she's like, oh, I'm doing great. And but, you know, most of the money's now in the dance circuit, hon. And then kind of like they talked about boob jobs and all that. But I thought that was interesting because like the way I understand it, that still tends to be the case that like stars, porn stars make their money by dancing and uh, escorting. Like they make their real money. Right. And people like Lori who are just being ground by, you know, scene, 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 Mm -hmm. scenes are not going to be able to take advantage of this where a person like shanna who's maybe taking easy on the drugs and still stay, staying focused on where the money at they're like able to successfully like negotiate these things and it's also yeah, but harvey's not gonna get fucked on camera or dance yes he's the he's the money guy at the top yeah. um and his assessment of where he needs to take this company i think is correct historically yeah like you don't have a lot of big budget uh high concept porn films being made but that's what i was getting at is like that he might be a little too small minded because i do think there is money for that like niche porn it's just that you have to fully embrace it you have to go into that niche and really cater to it Hmm. where like he the to me it's like harvey's always tried to pull eileen back from that you know it's not the way to make mass porn money but you can like you know even today like it seems like a lot of the money that's made in pornography is in these kind of niche stuff um you know i feel like that was kind of candy's candy eileen's pitch Uh to harvey at one point wasn't it like we can be better than this and therefore make more money because we'll attract better clientele essentially right but but harvey's seeing like where the stampede where the herd's going Uh and like people like you know shauna and maybe um uh, Eileen, if she can get rid of Harvey, see like where there is still ways for like a lone type of wolf 
I don't know why we're 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 herding and packing. It's a wolf pack. It got me started thinking mm-hmm. about the animal animal uh, pology. What do you call that? Biology. What's the what's the anthropology but for animals? Animal behavior. Animology. I Animology. I have no idea. There's a word for that. Like is the, there? I don't know what it this is. Guy, yeah, like uh, what what the Steve Irwin? What's he do? Uh, okay, Steve Irwin's a bad example. Sting rayology. Steve Irwin is, is, was the you know the evil Knievel of whatever I'm trying the naturalist or something. Bear Grylls. How about him? Bear? No, uh, Jacques Cousteau. Uh, that he's like that of the oceanographer. I don't know. L- Larry Brown. What does he do? <laughs> I, he's a beast in his own right. We, I just need to figure out a way to make a shark reference, and then we can we can get things into sharks. Uh, okay, wolves. I've got a, a way to take us. Yes. I, I see a lot of danger in this new porn industry, this new wave hookers oh, yeah? stuff, because I was doing research on this. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Tracy Lords, very popular and yep. notable porn star, Saw this too. underage in new wave hookers. Yeah, she was like 16 when she started doing porn and right. filmed. And this became a big thing, too. Like, yeah. they, everybody found out about it. There were lawsuits. Her Her movies... All but one of her movies was like banned from shelves yeah. and taken off. Um, this could lead to potentially bad things. Turns out that two skeezy dudes are looking to cut corners in the porn industry. <laughs> don't check ID. Maybe they'll well. check ID. Also, like the AIDS epidemic is going to like like that too yeah. hurt the industry until they figure out a way to do like because they do crazy testing. Like they're almost tested daily. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, it is interesting to see these different pressures because um, you know as porn because. Porn, when it was made in the golden age, you know, it wasn't as big as a Hollywood production, but you had camera guys, you had lighting people, you had makeup mm-hmm. people, you had costumers, you had writers. <laughs> right. Porn nowadays, if it's not like, you know, amateurs doing stuff on mini vids, it's like a camera dude that's mm-hmm. probably the director and as many performers as you need, and they rent some fucking godforsaken condo in Vegas <laughs> or Airbnb. LA. Yeah. Or, yeah, just air, and they, they, they fuck in it, and that's mm-hmm. it. Um, <laughs> there, like, there's just there's there's ever more money being made, but it's made by fewer and fewer people, and there's not. Yeah, it's the story of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Story of capitalism. It's efficiency, man. <laughs> uh, it's it's you got the big money uh, and you get you got the big money on one end, and you got the 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 pornographers on the other. Do you th- think there's going to be any kind of intersection between Frankie and Harvey? Because Frankie's kind of doing what Harvey wants to get into. Plus, I think he's working ways. for Harvey. I think so. I think I think Harvey just sees Vin- Frankie as like the ideal porn director. Is Frankie going to be Harvey's new Eileen by the end of this season? I don't know. I don't know. Because um, it's be. like I also think that if he's working with Harvey, he's probably fucking Harvey too. Not like proper, no. but yeah, yeah like yeah, physically, like the way he's fucking Rudy, like skimming off the top. Right. Not, yeah. you know, it looks like there's a lot of money, a lot of business being done in cash. He's misappropriating camcorders. I know that. He's much. misappropriating camcorders, <laughs> which is a felony in oh, the porn industry. Do you think he's recording on porno tapes with his home videos? Like he's he's using the porno shoots that they're doing and using the tapes and recording oh, that over. That would be funny. And his kids he's... are gonna like. Oh God! They're gonna. It's gonna be holiday nineteen eighty five. Mm. They're gonna be watching last year's video and all of a sudden mm. hardcore pornography. Yeah, because I don't know. Like, is this is the camcorder one off joke of just like, oh, what's what's Frankie going to do with it? And then it's, it's this wholesome thing, or it could be. Is it going to like Rudy going to see some kind of tape that implies implies I don't know mm. like Frankie forgotten he's having a conversation with the drug dealer about hey we're fucking yeah we're screwing Rudy over and he does he's too fat and old to know about it ha ha 
Why yeah. would he tape that? I don't know, because he's because he's Frankie. He's Frankie yeah. How did Frankie win a dry cleaning? <laughs> did you remember? He had a whole plot of he, the he, dry cleaner wars of nineteen seventy eight. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. How does he end up in half of this shit? Who knows? <laughs> How does he steal a whole truck full of left shoes? Who knows? He's fucking Frankie. He's uh, I love it. It's such a good character. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, you know, Lori, is it the same night that she falls off the wagon too? Is this all yes. happening on New Year's Eve? That sounds right to me. Because holy hell, like there's a lot of parallels she between falls off her and Bobby. She the show, yeah. right? Yeah, because she sees her pimp is dancing yep. with the probably younger, hotter model. There's this all this talk about doing boob jobs and stuff. And now she runs across some fans who offer her some blow and she does. Yeah. Who's going to turn it down? She goes from like, oh, I don't know. Well, it's New Year's to, oh, your man's holding. Fuck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Eileen since we're kind of going there in the last topic anyway. Um, I thought it was interesting you know, with our previous conversation about Harvey that like Harvey's kind of date night with Eileen, not that they're they're dating, but you know, he takes her to, you know, see a bunch of uh, early Kurosawa movies. Mm-hmm. And th- although now I'm, I think I'm actually finding it because I'm like, why is he taking her to all auteur stuff and feeding that side of her if he's wanting to strangle it in the professional thing? But maybe he was thinking, look, uh, you know, a K- Kurosawa could make brilliant stuff at sh- shoestring budgets. <laughs> okay. Maybe he was like kind of like setting her up for like this pitch that just went disastrously wrong. Like, I, I wonder how much of that, I want to mention that now that I'm thinking about it was, was premeditated because mm-hmm. the way like Harvey and his wife approached it is like, they were like, like the look on Harvey's wife when he started the conversation, she's like, Oh, here it comes. And you know, when Candy's like, fuck this, I'm out. Like, it seemed like the, the wife was supposed to be the good cop. Yeah. And I, I thought in that scene, that first scene where they're exiting the theater, that there's some weird vibe going on there. And I, yeah. I, I read it as Harvey, like, uh, sort of wanting to get with Eileen. Yeah. But now that you mention it, it might be that he's prepping to have a difficult conversation about yeah. the direction of the company. Because he lays the line, like, hey, you can be genius and still do dirt, you know, cut-rate work. And, oh, yeah. you know, here's how the industry's changing. We got to edit a fuck flick, and it's got to be PG because we're going to do it on this consumer floor. And, mm-hmm. oh, by the way, I'll, I will say this. Like, I don't know. I tantric sex, whatever. It's still got to be the worst porno. Oh, I would think so. Like yeah. if you're just literally sitting inside somebody and not moving, mm-hmm. that's like for 48 hours. Yeah, that's <laughs> like yeah, sting. yeah, yeah. For Sting, <laughs> um, I mean that's a, that's an album cover for Sting. It is, but what it is not is a moving picture depicting <laughs> pornographic imagery. It's it's I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm kind of I'm kind of pro Harvey on that side. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was, uh, maybe he was, uh, working her the whole time. It's interesting also that he's so afraid of camcorders, um, because it seems like that, you know, we live in an age where everyone has all the equipment they need to make high quality pornography in their pocket, a cell phone, you know, Mm -hmm. add a, add a tripod, you're ready to go. And yet, it doesn't seem like the market for pornography is like any any lower than it ever has been. Maybe the margins are not great. Maybe the stars are being well uh, less well taken care of. But it's interesting that he sees all this technology as a threat, and not an opportunity. Yeah, I mean, he is the old establishment of porn now, which is weird to say because of where he started in season one, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but he is kind of that, and so I think the new stuff that he doesn't have a firm grasp on scares him. Yeah. 
and it makes sense. Like people, I mean, people do make, you know, I, I view porn as a commodity now. I think it's less like, you know, auteurs and, and professionals making porn. And it's more like, okay, well, any, any attractive person with a webcam is now a porn star. Mm-hmm. They can go cam. They can start it up in their bedroom. Sure. Uh, you know, <laughs> in their shared four bedroom apartment with four of the people. I would love to see a stat that's, that would show how much of the adult population in America has participated in sex work at this point. Cause I bet it's exploded in the last decade. Yeah. Technology has certainly enabled it too. I mean, just, just being on the internet, there's so many mm-hmm. people like doing amateur work with just like themselves or them as a couple, or like, it's just, it's, it's got to have increased. I don't know. Like I said, I wish I saw, I wish I saw some stats. Maybe I can look that up for next week. I thought it was interesting also that like, you know, one of the things we opened up in the talk about how the pimps have kind of been pushed uh, out of the way of the story is it was interesting to see like the dark brothers just nakedly appropriating pimp culture mm-hmm. and how like Eileen was doing some kind of thoughtful, playful work with the tension between like races and sexuality. And now these guys are just the dumbest fucking bullshit, like the yeah. the, the grossest stereotypes. Um, making dumb jokes, and there's a whole bunch of old white guys in the audience laughing at it. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It didn't seem very sexy. It didn't also seem very no. funny. It's this like uh-huh. weird no man's land of like pre gonzo porn. Um, and Eileen got got no taste for it. Uh, there's also the they they talk about the focus on like uh, the direct video is where it's all going to be from now. Yeah. Um, no more. They called the the. PNA. I mean, they're right about that. Yeah, for that era certainly. Yeah. Well, I don't. Are there adult theaters even on like Times Square nowadays? And probably not in Times Square, but I'm I'm sure there's got to be at least one left in the country. They're like drive-ins, right? <laughs> like no nobody goes to drive-ins <laughs> on a regular basis, but every once in a while, I just the whole thing about the live theater experience is the dudes in the audience jerking off. Like there's no need for that anymore. You can do you can you can you can do it in the privacy of your own home. You have your own jerkatorium. Oh, oh, that's a that's a negative mark in your mind. Oh, oh, so you're saying I that thought like that part was of... like the because the experience of going uh, to a theater yeah. traditionally is like the audience participate, right? The audience is there with you. Oh yeah, it's that's like Rocket, why you Rocky go. Horror Picture Show. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh-huh. So I assume the jackatoriums, the the mid mid eighties jackatoriums were uh-huh. probably similar. Um, then the other thing we haven't talked about is Eileen's personal life. Um, yeah. Last season, she was getting thrown out of her own home. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she's getting cut off from contact with her own kid Yeah, uh, by her father. Now we see that things kind of seem to have thawed between the two. Her mom's sick, which might explain a lot of it. Adam, mm-hmm. her son, is running wild. No one knows when they last saw him. Um, that's interesting. How old would he be at this point? Almost 20? Yeah, I was thinking 18 to 20. Okay. Um, because I think he was like seven or eight when we first met him, and he yep. seemed like he was 14, 15, like middle school years last year. I was thinking last 12, season. but maybe maybe a little older, yeah. Huh. But um, I don't know. I I thought it's interesting to change in her mom is like, you know, because she's sitting there and like she's obviously sick at the end of her life, and she's reflecting on the things that she didn't do as a young person and why just she didn't do them. Uh, in contrast to what Eileen's doing, it seems like that she's kind of taking a shine to what Eileen's doing and encouraging her instead mm-hmm. of being like, "You're going to be running around all night." Hey, it's nineteen, you know, it's nineteen eighty-five. Go out and enjoy yourself. Party um, like it's nineteen ninety-nine. <laughs> I think she says that in the episode. Does she really? No. Oh, okay. Just, um, and then she meets Corey Stoll at the end. Right. 
Another guest star. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen him in something mm-hmm. uh, that something like meaty that I've cared about. So. Yeah, I saw him in The Strain was maybe the last time. Yeah, he was in. He had a bit part in like one of the late seasons of Girls. No, I, I think that's that. probably the last time I'd seen him in anything. So mm-hmm. I'm I I he feature he figures to make kind of a big splash. Yeah, um, we don't know much about him. He seem he purports to have money. He's got money. We think, yeah, unless he's, he's just faking it. He's cruising um, Times Square on New Year's Eve, flashing mm-hmm. a lot of cash and jewelry. Uh, he had a female companion that things didn't work out. And I wonder what, because like him and Eileen getting together, like like I got the idea that maybe she was a little trashy or lo- like I like mm-hmm. not his speed. Um, yep. He was looking for something more respectable. And what the fuck is he doing right? on 42nd Street? Or maybe the thing is, is that like he ended up with the mo- a woman that's kind of uptight and prudish, and he's like one of these Wolf of Wall Street dudes. Wolf Pack of Wall Street. <laughs> What's the word on anthropology? What Did we figure that out yet? He's, he's Anthrozoology. One of, he's one of these dudes, and maybe he's looking for some fun money to sink into some weird auteur porn industry from a former sex worker that this All is right. like – very exciting to he, his he hit the life. fucking jackpot then like just rolling bellying up next to eileen yep that's a once in a lifetime opportunity if that's what he's here for yes yes it is yes it is it's like you know ed wood finding his money man um but yeah i thought that was interesting that like what does he do because he talks about like uh my name's henry or hank as my fellows on the mean streets of greenwich call me what? I don't know what's going on in Greenwich in 1985. I mean, they have a stock exchange in London. Like, is he mm-hmm. like an international? Like, I I thought he was a Wall Street dude, but like Greenwich, what the fuck does that? Is it, Grin- you know, if you're familiar with New York's history, I bet you're screaming at us right now. Oh, like, oh, you I was thinking fucks. like I was thinking actually England. London. No, I think he's talking about Greenwich Village. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then yeah, fuck me. I I don't know what that implies about him, but yeah, I thought no, he I was just either. like an international finance guy. Uh, anything else to talk about with Eileen? No. Uh, let's bring it to round to Paul. Okay. I was wondering if we were going to talk about Paul. Oh, we got to talk about Paul. Because he's still with, is it Todd? Is that his boyfriend's name? I don't, I can't remember. It's the, the, the movie, the, the, the Broadway guy. Yeah. The guy who's, who's community theater he funded. Yep. Looks like that's going strong, but, uh, but he is not. Paul's boyfriend is Paul's boyfriend is, is, um. You know Philadelphia era Tom Hanks in this in this uh, episode. Is it, um, does Paul have a gigantic head or is Todd's head just small? Because <laughs> when they the kiss, disparity in head size. Oh my god! It's, it's like so- a Death Star blowing up Alderaan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if they kissed instead of blowing each other up, yeah. Uh huh. Wait, that'd be the opposite because the Death Star is tiny compared to Alderaan. Uh, whatever yeah it's sharks and wolves it was all i could notice in that scene i'm pretty sure i blacked out looking at the size of this man's head during this scene um i it's interesting because like paul's joint is the kind of swanky meeting uh, ground for gay men that he wanted to be they got the classiest new york new new york eve new year's (laughs) eve celebration out of all it was jarring to see like you know that the very sedate and stately things going on at Paul's versus like the wild party mm-hmm. over at Vinny's. But it's also like, I don't know. I, I, it's so funny to see society like going through um, like the AIDS scare and then like all the awareness and like the backlash of the awareness kind of like crested with uh, team America's, you know, uh, everybody's got AIDS, oh, right. you know, takedown of Rin and mm-hmm. how it's kind of like it was seen as kind of a joke. But this episode, 
um, brought it back into reality that like when these like these men are hugging each other and dancing this old Lang sign song with the realization that some of them are going to they're like, like that's like the things like some of these people um, and you can throw Shay in this category too don't look like they're going to see another year and how like fucking poignant yeah. that is. And probably ones who didn't get to see this moment. It's like imagine like, in our friend circle if one of our wives or one of the wives our, our friend's husbands were going to die the next year. Like like they had yeah. cancer or something. What a devastating thing that would be within our – but imagine like if like – I don't know, 15% of all of the couples in our community was going through the same thing. It's like Jesus Christ. How – yeah. How do you go forward? And, it, every day? and if you had lost people from that community that year, and you knew that more were going to be lost the next year, and could the, you, you see even the media, celebrate? You this? see the media like, not reporting accurate information. You see the right. politicians with their thumbs up their asses, sitting on information, and it's like fingers being pointed, talking about you know how despicable the gay community is. Yeah, that's causing this, like yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's like it's, this is uh, you know a uh, white middle aged guy in the Midwest like first dealing with the actual emotions of of uh, the crisis. <laughs> but like I was kind of blown away by the emotion they're able to um, you know ring out of, of, of the situation, with, and not almost in, without even trying. Yeah, not in like a very like Philadelphia kind of way, no. but just like these are pe- like this is just a, a fucking sad state of events, uh, a state of affairs with people that I kind of care about watching the show. So yeah. Um, and it's also kind of like, it seems like Paul's boyfriend is kind of a star. Like you said, that this community theater is going real well. There mm-hmm. seems like a very well-received, well-attended play. I don't, I, I didn't do the research to find out if this is an actual play, but I about these gays either. finding love in a concentration camp. Um, but you know, this guy's finally making it and he's, he's making it as an artist, but he's got this disease and mm-hmm. you know, what, what, what are you going to do? Uh, shall there's there's other plot with Loretta, who is the um, former sex worker who is now turned uh, women against pornography. This is kind of this David Simon's uh, a speciality where he shows well-meaning people doing things to attack a problem in the community and just doing it in the exact same exact wrong way. Mm-hmm. And when they meet with success, double down, uh, or when they meet with failure, double down. Um, you know, this it's kind of like a what passes for ham fisted with with Simon and and uh, uh, his writing partners, like where they're just having a conversation about like how long you've been doing this three four years, and it's getting less and less well attended and less and less successful. Mm-hmm. Should we do something different? And the girl kind of has like this visible <laughs> look of confusion and just wanders back into the protest line. Yeah, I don't know enough about eighties era porn to know where this is going. Like. Because one of the things that they, that that Simon likes to do late stage project is kind of hint at ways forward. Mm-hmm. Like these are all the stupid things that we do that don't affect the problem, that don't attack root cause solutions. Um, you know, because like I don't know, like my feelings on porn, it seems like it's been around for thousands and thousands of years. Like some of the earliest artifacts we have in human history are, you know. Uh, pornographic statues there was all throughout like greek and roman culture um i think there is a lot of violence against women and exploitation of women and porn i don't think it has to be that way but damn it does seem like it's the rule rather than the exception that you know women are exploited and used all the performers really mm-hmm. um I, I don't know what the answer i'm curious to see what what uh, simon kind of suggests I am too. It almost felt like a return to season two in some ways mm-hmm. uh, with that particular storyline. Like Loretta, was it Loretta? 
No, what what was the woman's name who came back from California and got killed? Uh, Dorothy, right? Dorothy, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe was, that was she trying yeah. to go like one on one with some of these people and making mm-hmm. differences, you know, in individual lives. They had this like. B- b- porn mobile, you know, this, yeah. this hooker mobile kind of thing. Trying going to get around. doctors and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, um, what happened to that? That direct action? Now we're just protesting? Well, I think that evolved into a more like community based sort of thing mm-hmm. um, under Dorothy's care and, and what's his face from House of Cards who just took off at the end of this season. Right. Because it wasn't going well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Loretta. No, not Loretta. Who's, who's the girl who works at the bar now? That's Loretta. That is Loretta. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Loretta seems to be trying to take a one-on-one approach again. Uh-huh. Right? Like, these these protests outside of places aren't mattering. Nothing's changing. So go one-on-one with the people who need the help. That seems like what they were doing with Dorothy last year. Yeah, it's a return it's to season like, two. So it's like, almost like, okay, so Loretta is seeing this with this activist. Like, okay, this protest stuff's not working. I'm going to go back to do. But, like, obviously that didn't work either. Right. Um, or maybe it did work and Dorothy got herself, got, got killed. I mean, it did seem like the, you know, the community compromise thing uh-huh. was starting to work. And yeah. then I can't remember exactly how that played out. That was all around the time of like CeCe's death. And right. he seemed to be the smart one who realized, oh yeah, no, this doing. is good for all of us. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. it makes sense for everybody. And then uh, when he died, I'm assuming it just went right back. The way yeah, with, and with like Dorothy being kind of the the spearhead of that community, maybe it just kind of like it 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 all worn out. Because that's the other thing is like that shit's hard. Yeah, like forming networks of doctors, healthcare professionals, politicians to fund it, running the van. That's hard. It's actually fucking easy to get a placard and write, you know, uh, <laughs> pornography enslaves women and march around and 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 drone on outside of a porn shop for an hour. Yeah, and do absolutely nothing. That's like super easy. And and you feel like you're doing something, but like yeah. actually tackling and trying to un uh, you know especially when you're doing it on the civilian side and you're just having to beg for resources and stuff. I I like I said, I'm very curious to see what there is some kind of suggestion of a solution mm-hmm. um, uh, to this here. Uh, and then I think we got Bobby, fucking Bobby, yeah. to talk about. I think I feel I mean, like there's we've, nothing we've... super interesting about Bobby. I feel like Bobby is still Bobby. Yeah. He's he's trying to hide his bobbiness under a bad hair piece. What will happen to his kid? That's you know, a good question. He was getting uh, uh, probably taken advantage of by uh, one of the, the the girls that he'd fallen for. I he's have read an article about from somebody who clearly has seen more than the first episode, uh-huh. and they mention him, but I don't I don't remember the the context. So yeah. I don't know. It feels like that. Sounds like he's going to be around. It feels significant that the next generation of these folks are all being talked about, but we don't really see anybody but Frankie's. It'll be interesting to see, like yeah. when we catch up with Adam again, when uh, Bobby's boy comes back into focus, like uh, Vincent's kids. Are we going to like understand that this is this is is this why the Deuce continues, you know, stumbling forward like this irradiated cockroach that won't die is because like it's just generations of people that. This yeah. is the way you do, and you, you can't ever step stamp it out because 15 years later is another crop ready to try it again. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, the image of him bare-ass fucking this woman in the bathroom. <laughs> this hair flopping around. Haunting. Haunting, Jim. <laughs> For many reasons. Uh, 
I think that's all we've got, unless you yeah, got something no, else. Uh, I want to give out, or because we will be doing um, email. We probably don't get, we probably won't get a lot of email on this show. But if you got some thoughts, you can send it in to TV at baldmove.com. I'll start uh, uh, compiling that starting next week. Uh, we will be doing this every Wednesday for the next, I believe, eight episodes is what this um, uh, TV show is scheduled for. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you're a David Simon fan, uh, if you like The Wire, if you're enjoying The Deuce, uh, please join us with it. And if you haven't tra- given The Deuce a try uh, and you are a fan of David Simon, then, yeah, it's it's pretty easy to catch up on. There's only two seasons, uh, 17 episodes, and it's really an easy watch. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, hope to hope you guys join us for the rest of it. Until then, until next week, uh, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. And we'll see you.